I'm Tom. I'm Stephanie. This is a podcast about what bonds people and places together. Or as we like to call it, food glue. Do you want to just quickly introduce yourself? Yes, hello, my name is Nikki. I am the owner and baker at Freude Bakes. Um, It's basically me and my husband, Rich, who does all the heavy lifting and the tech and emotional support. (laughs) (laughs) Very important with a new business. I understand that totally. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and you pronounce that beautifully, Freude Bakes. Freude Bakes, yes. So do you want to introduce us to that and how did it start? So Freude Bakes started uh, kind of in my mind back in 2018. So I was previously in a marketing role for a a corporate company and absolutely hated it um was joyful to be made redundant uh, in the august of that year and then um, i was lucky enough to have a be able to have a little bit of time off and so whilst i was sort of sat enjoying some time off i was thinking you know what do i do in the future um and i was adamant i wasn't going to go into another role that i didn't get pleasure out of so i i was sat and thinking you know what could i do for the rest of my life something that i knew that i would love i've always enjoyed baking from an early age so uh yeah freuda was born off the back of that really I watched, um, I don't know if you've heard of it on Netflix, there was a series called Chef's Table. Mm. And on there was, one of the first episodes was a lady called Christina Tozzi, um, who's an American baker. And she just kind of lit this fire in me. And she, you know, she talks about, she said exactly the same, she thought about exactly the same thing. What could I do for the rest of my life and be happy doing? That turned out to be baking. Um, and so, yeah, she was sort of part of the inspiration as well. So... I haven't yeah. seen that show, but I recognise her name. Christina Tozzi. So she's really, really famous now yeah. over in America. She runs the Milk Bar. Oh, that's right. Um, she that. started okay. in Milk I've Bar, been. actually. Yeah. Sorry, she didn't run it. She she started in Milk Bar um, with David Chang, yes. I think his name is. Yeah, from um, and then kind of worked her way up the ranks and then started out on her own. Yeah. Um, and she's brought out loads of uh, bakery books yeah. and cookbooks. Um, I and had the crack pie. Yes. Yes. I've not. I've, I've not had made, the pleasure, but it all looks amazing. I've made the cereal milk cookies. Oh, yes. Day, yes. And it's worth it. Yeah. We've got because um, I've got a son as well. Said um, I'm trying to get. Him, I'm trying to get him into baking as well. So we've got the kids only cookbook. So actually yeah. tomorrow we've agreed we're going to sit down and, and do a bit of baking together. Nice. So yeah, she's been quite a big inspiration. I kind of follow her on Instagram and sort of yeah. dip in and out of everything she does. So yeah. Yeah, I'll make sure I link up to her. Just harking back to what you said there about trying to inspire your son as well. Mm. I You just brought a memory to me straight away that I had the Rolled Dahl Revolting Recipes cookbook as a child. Right, yeah. And there was some great things in there with like toasted... I remember one with toasted coconut. I can't remember what it was. Mm, I, I didn't have that one. excuse me um but yeah in terms of you know inspirations from from childhood I suppose um my nan so when we lived in Germany I was born in Germany so when we lived in Germany my mum uh worked so my nan looked after me um and I think one of my earliest baking memories was sort of sat making pastry from scratch with her and like her instilling in me the the importance of the process and like you know you've got to have cold hands and you know, and yeah, it was just a, a really, it's a core memory, I suppose. So that's... That's probably yeah. what makes you a good baker because those are things that are not, are not in the recipe. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. And I think part of that process as well was learning 
to trust your instinct on it. It is baking is a bit of a science, mm. but I think often you have to kind of just trust your instinct on what you know how it looks, how it feels, and you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a great experience of that last night when I tried to make a Dundee cake, but thought with electricity <laughs> prices I'll cook my dinner at the same time and so set the oven too high. Uh, and about an yeah. hour into the dinner was served, we'd eaten, and about an hour into the cake baking, I was like. That smells done. And there was still like an hour that it was supposed to still have an hour, but I just turned it off. And actually, if you ignore the burn bits, it's still nice. Um, But if I'd left it in for that extra hour, it would have been completely annihilated. Yeah. So just going back to that German heritage, is that Mm. where the name Freude comes from? Yes. So, so yeah, as I said, I was born in Germany. My dad was in the army. So um, I was born there and we were there until I was like seven. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, that period of time holds some really awesome memories, um, many of which are sort of related, you know, based around food. You know, I, we used to eat things like Black Forest mm. and Berliner Donuts um, and, you know, gingerbread and all the things you would imagine, you know, sampling over there. So they kind of, yeah, definitely formed, you know, my interest in sweet treats and mm how things taste and the sort of flavour profiles that I like. Um, Our house, my mum was always into dark chocolate. There was never milk chocolate in our house. So uh, that's definitely sort of been woven into my my taste as I've grown up as well. So, yeah, in terms of the Freuder name, um, because of, you know, when I was formulating the idea for the the Freuder business, it was like, you know... I want it to want it to be a job that I that brings me joy but also it's cake who doesn't love cake and I think part of the love of baking and gifting bakes to other people or buying bakes for other people is that that is in essence going to bring someone else's tiny slice of joy Mm -hmm. so Freude is the German word for joy so it was like almost perfect I'm just going to go back to something you just mentioned. What's a Berliner donut? So a Berliner is basically your average jam donut, but instead of um, the coarser sugar, it's just um, dusted with powdered sugar instead. So it's a very slight, slight difference, but it's, it makes huge difference. I think it's a huge difference. It's, and it's, for me, it's just much more enjoyable. Does it also make quite a difference to eating it yourself and watching somebody else eat it because I'm assuming you get covered in powdered sugar yes you do yes fun. you do but it's quite fun yeah exactly yeah, that's absolutely and you can't the joy of you it. can't really get them over here I haven't seen them many places actually the one place you can get them is Lidl bizarrely because mm, so. they're German I guess <laughs> yeah well yeah I assume so so yeah it was a it was a uh, nice to walk in and sort of go oh my god there's a Berliner donut you yeah know. I used to eat them in Germany I can now get them over here <laughs> it's amazing so yeah So you had this great idea coming from your heritage, you, you know, you had your little bit of redundancy money and some time off to really get those ideas flowing. And I'm guessing coming from a marketing background, branding and that whole side of it was probably came quite naturally. Uh, well, you say that. <laughs> I think maybe part of the reason I, I didn't necessarily enjoy the job so much was because it wasn't, being in marketing didn't necessarily come naturally to me so yes I you know I I learned the basics and Mm -hmm. you know I knew I knew the sorts of things you had to be aware of and the things that you you have to do to kind of weave into the whole marketing process but yes in terms of in terms of my brand when I started I knew the things that I didn't want out of my brand so I made this whole list of like I wanted to be taken seriously Mm -hmm. 
So I was like, I don't want, I don't want swirls, I don't want drips, I don't want, you know, whisks and spoons in no this part sense. of my life. Yeah, exactly. So those, those elements were really important to me. Um, but then the colour element as well. So sort of things that bring me joy in terms of colour, we, we discussed before yeah. we started the interview, you know, I love, I love a bit of yellow, anything bright, anything that pops. I think those sorts of colours bring me joy and I wanted to, again, weave that into Freuder um, and that includes the brand as well and, you know, how I decorate the cakes and, yeah, so I don't know if that answers your question. Yes, it does, absolutely. <laughs> and how did you get, so going from those concerts and creating your brand, how did you then get out to the people? What were your first steps? So um, my, my husband's brother and sister-in-law are copywriters, local copywriters. And mm. so from a brand perspective, they kind of started helping me pull together some of the words and they supported me through developing, you know, the logo and the brand and all of that. So that was one element of it. But then um, my first, we did a, my first pop-up, um, again, through friends. So my, my brother had a friend in Leicester who runs his own pub. Mm. and he was like why don't you come along have a pop-up um we're gonna have this summer event you can be there you know we won't charge you anything and you can just use it as a test bed we sold out and it was sort of like wow this thing could actually work let's let's give it a go so we started applying for markets um more locally and that's how we got into the garage working with the garage and the barton team there who are absolutely amazing um and yeah, kind of that's how it started, really. Um, and we, we did a few with them. Again, we were really popular. Um, so yeah, we've just con- kind of continued that journey with them. So. That's where I found you the first time. And I think I've only managed to get Kate the first time. And every other time I've been, you've been completely <laughs> sold out. Yeah, um, it's, it's, a great, it's a great venue for us. We love working with the team as well. They're such a good team over there. So yeah, it's a nice one to be a part of. It's funny, we always hear good things about... Um, garage market yeah absolutely we love it we love it really good and it's so local you know it's it's great yeah and I remember we spoke to Grace at um G&G Sausage she was saying it's really nice to be indoors yeah and like not at the perils of the elements I don't think you well we certainly didn't think about that until you start the market um journey you sort of don't realize that actually yeah indoor markets are some of the best because you forget that we're open to the elements when you're outdoors and it's you know if if it's windy your stand could blow away the cakes have disappeared you know it's yeah it can be quite treacherous and I guess coming into summer with your product yes yeah absolutely so having said that we did I remember doing a summer at the garage and we were in a section of the building where the the skylight was above us and it was one of the hottest summers and so about halfway through the event just the cakes were just literally melting (laughs) but there's you know there's nothing you could do about that so yeah I, I made my friend's wedding cake once and I was also a bridesmaid so I had to have it all finished the day before and she'd asked for a carrot cake tier Mm-hmm. and I'd gone to the venue the night before and it was May so you wouldn't think it'd be that hot but there was no storage for me oh, no. so I had to leave it in like an outbuilding a stone outbuilding just hoping for the best but once I'd got the cake in the stand yeah it the, you could see I could see everybody else said they couldn't see but I'm still convinced they could but the middle tier that was carrot called cream cheese cream frosting, cheese frosting yeah I could just see it getting wider and fatter throughout the day I was Honestly, like oh it's gonna go cream cheese frosting is still my nemesis it's mm. just it's one of those things it's really hard to get right and really hard to get stable yeah um but it's the most delicious thing it is yeah I don't think I'd do a 
a wedding cake with cream cheese frosting in again or I'd have much less cream cheese. Yeah, I think that's the that's the key. I think I'm about there with with getting a, a stable cream cheese mm. frosting. We're, we're getting there. So you don't just do markets, you also do kind of one-off celebration cakes and things like that? Yeah, so um, the markets, um, we started the markets to kind of bring uh, Freuder products and obviously the brand um, into local communities and to kind of get a name out there. But it's kind of turned into this vehicle to sort of bring in uh, larger sort of celebration orders and, uh, you know, wedding cake orders, things like that. And I love both elements of the business, but but I really do love the celebration side. I think mainly because um, I, I think I'm quite a creative person. I did really well in art at school, but never kind of followed that as a career path. So I think partly for me, I look at cake as a bit of a canvas as well. So um, it's it's always quite fun for me to, to do celebration orders because it, I can I can really let loose and and sort of you know bring out my creativity on that side of things. So yeah, yeah, it's it's another part of the business which which I love. Do you, have you got lucky with customers? Do they generally give you a bit of free reign so you can really harness that canvas idea? I do. I think I'm really lucky in that respect. Of course, you always get customers that want a very specific thing. Um, you know, and I always try to work with, with those people and sort of try and stick with the Freuder style to a degree, mm. but sort of also give them what, what they're after. But yes, my favourite customers are the people that say, free reign, do whatever you like with it. Um, yeah, they're, they're the ones I enjoy most. And I do, I have quite, quite a few customers that allow me to do that, so I'm quite lucky. Great. What's been your favourite celebration cake to do so far? Oh, that's a, that's a question. Um, actually, I think think it might be so I did a half and half order for it was actually for my my brother and sister-in-law's um children and it was based on a piece of art that they have hanging in their home and so it was sort of like two dome cakes um really bright block colors um really minimalist um uh, with like uh, chocolate spheres on the top of them yeah I really enjoyed doing that one um there was also a wedding cake I did I think it was last year um the three tier and they'd specifically asked for a marbled base on the bottom and that was quite a challenge but again that was really mm. enjoyable to do it was, it was yeah it was a good one it was a good one mm. but yeah I really like orders where I can use bright colors as well and just kind of go wild so yeah. you've yeah. got quite a defined color palette in that respect yeah you? I think I do yeah <laughs> it's kind of turned point. into that yeah So just to go back to your market stall, if somebody sees that you're at a market this weekend and they come down, what will they find on the stall, apart from your smiling face, obviously? <laughs> so recently we've been um, selling uh, a lovely cake selection, um, but as the weather warms, so the next few events, I'm going to consider bringing back my ice cream sandwiches, mm. which is something I did a soft launch of last last year and they went down amazingly well. Um, we tried them out first at uh, one of the street food events at the garage mm-hmm. and they sold out really quickly so I may as the weather warms up I may be bringing back some ice cream sandwiches and as well with the weather getting warmer I think I'm gonna try and bring back my quesadilla tot which Ooh. is essentially a cheesecake um but it's sort of sandwiched between two layers of cake so it's a cheesecake filling, filling sandwich between two layers of cake wow. so that's one of the, so that is one of the things that obviously I ate in Germany absolutely loved my dad still loves it now um and you can't really get over here so that was sort of like that. I wanted that always to be like my signature bake, but 
I think there's still a bit of work to be done to kind of sell it to to the community I'm not sure people quite understand what it is so yeah I'm going to try and bring that back and and convince people that it's amazing so yeah absolutely I think it's a I know what you mean people are always a bit reticent I think sometimes to try the new Mm. um, especially if there's some familiar favorites available exactly yeah I mean we have we have um, a chocolate fudge cake on our menu which is the first thing to sell out every time so that will definitely be back i have to kind of bring that to every event that we do pretty much um so that's the matilda um so yeah that will definitely be on the menu Uh, it goes down so well but yeah i do want to try and push people into trying the 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 new items so definitely the quesasana tour i want to try and push again this year Great. And is that a traditional um, kind of vanilla cheesecake in the middle, or are you mixing so it up with something else? Traditionally, in Germany, I think it would generally be like a lemon filling. Mm, it would be a lemon okay. filling. It's made with quark, which okay. is like an acid set um, cheese, uh, soft cheese. Um, so you make it with quark and double cream. Um, and I think in Germany they would also add things like raisins to the filling. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cake in Germany, the cake element of it in Germany, is is more of a, a dry, crisp cake but I've kind of adapted it mm-hmm. because oh, I hate to say it but I think I prefer like a more of a sponge a um, yes yeah. exactly exactly so I've adapted it to sort of what I think tastes really good so yeah but traditionally it would be uh, a lemon cake but last year when we did the soft launch for that as well we did a few other flavors so we did blueberry and strawberry mm. as well and they went down really well anything that's sort of fruity mm. works really well for for the quesasada tort Sounds so, really good. Yeah. And I'm just thinking about when I came to your stall the first time and they were just beautiful little squares of, of cake, mm. um, really beautifully presented. And as you say, like perfect to take, I think, as a gift um, if you're heading over to somebody's for dinner or something yeah. like that. But you're yeah. also doing sliced whole cakes now? Well, we have trialled that for the first few events this year. Um, but I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be bringing them back again for the mm. next event. Um, they take quite a long time to do. Um, and I don't feel like you're necessarily getting as much of a portion with those mm. as you might be with the squares. So, yeah, I'm reconsidering and slicing the larger cakes. On, slicing on site is On site, yeah. If you've like got hot water to dip a knife into Exactly, exactly. And if you've got a queue of people, it just kind yeah. of... It, it kind of yeah it doesn't it's it's not ideal so I think I might be rethinking that element of it I guess the squares are really easy to package as well and things they like are that. we've we've just um found some new packaging actually which is perfect for four <laughs> so oh, yeah great. I'm really pleased I'm really pleased fully recyclable but yeah um yeah we've just got some new packaging for those so yeah super and what's been your favorite market or pop-up to do to date of all of them mm. uh, I think I'm gonna have to say Oktoberfest it's got to be Oktoberfest. We were it, all there, including Marlo the dog. I saw, yeah. I saw, I saw. It's an amazing event. And I just remember the first time we did it, um, you know, it's quite a big event. It's over two weekends, mm. two days of the weekend. And the first one we did, we didn't really know how many portions, mm. how many covers to bring. So I absolutely killed myself and baked and baked and baked and baked and baked and did way too much and had to freeze loads of the produce. But... Honestly, once you get there, the, the atmosphere is amazing. You know, it's it's such a great thing. And I think the other lovely thing I like about Oktoberfest is we'll get customers coming up um, who've brought their parents and mm. you start talking and they've got a similar story to me. So mm. it's like, you know, I was born in Germany or I lived in Germany. My dad was in the army. You know, we had this experience and it's really nice to kind of 
meet people that have had the same experience I have. So, yeah, I really loved Oktoberfest. I'm doing it again this year, actually. And so. I think the garage do it really well. I've yeah, they been do. to Oktoberfest in the UK and it's just been an excuse for silly fancy dress and binge drinking, which is not what Oktoberfest is about when you no. go in Germany. It's a no. family affair. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. You know, you see the Germans, they'll have a coffee at about 5pm, they'll be drinking alcohol-free, they stay mm -hmm. well hydrated. It's, it's, yeah, it's just completely different. And I think the garage kind of harked back to that making it more fun and family friendly and it was yeah. the closest I've got to being yeah I agree and I think the the addition of the umpa band as well mm. it, that just kind of <laughs> it makes yeah. it so much more fun and yeah I mean I think the fact that it's seated and they have you know exactly. dance yeah. sessions it's just yeah it's awesome I think it yeah really makes it much more authentic but if anyone is listening and hasn't been to Oktoberfest I highly recommend it yeah for um, sure get down there it's very it's a very special time to be in in Germany I have some very fond memories of being at Oktoberfest but make sure you have a German person show you how to tie your dirndl if you're in Germany <laughs> because there's there's a technique and you don't want to be oh definitely <laughs> definitely yeah for sure for sure so you were just talking about some new packaging Yes. And I was just wondering, you know, in terms of suppliers and things like that, are you using anyone local, anything you want to particularly highlight? I, I would love to say, yes, it's local. Um, that, is, that is where I always wanted to take it. I always mm. wanted to have local suppliers and wherever I can, I do try to. So, for example, uh, with flour, I've often used Greens Mill flour. Mm, nice. um, uh, I like to make sure that I'm always using free range eggs as local as possible. Um, if I'm having, if I'm using fruit for any baits, I like to try Fred Hallam's over in Beeston. Yeah. Packaging, no, it's not, it's not local. Um, but I believe it is an independent. That is one of the things that Rich sorted. He's, as I say, he kind of sorts the techie stuff yeah. and the behind the scenes stuff. So, um, yeah, as I say, it's definitely recyclable. I'm not sure it's, it's so local though. No, that's but, fine. Yeah, where I can, I, I do like to use local. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Fred Hallams is definitely a, an institution there. Oh my really goodness! Great yeah. Quality produce. Definitely. I actually was in there once and saw a local chap selling Fred Hallam his red currants from his garden. Oh, wow. So um, yeah, it's nice because they often have some stuff in there that you don't see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anywhere definitely. else, he had some random mushrooms there once that I think were equally like foraged and and sold on to him. Yeah, so, it's amazing. I mean, yeah. I just I love. I love walking into local greengrocers. It's, there's just something about it. The smell, just everything looking so amazingly fresh. And yeah, it's, I love it. So yeah, where I can, I will. And do you bring that element of seasonality to your Um Like you said, bringing the summer things out? Yeah, so with the fruits that I might use for the uh, Kaiser Sonator, I'll try mm. and, you know, I'll try and see what's around at the time. And I will, if I can, again, try and use uh, more seasonal items yeah 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 what's next for Freude Bakes well um part of my original uh sort of plan for Freude Bakes was to obviously sell uh, bakes to people but also um, I wanted to run workshops Ooh. so I'm hoping that that can still be in Freud's future. Mm. Um, originally, the thought process was, well, I'd li really like to be able to provide workshops for vulnerable people. So, mm. you know, kids or people with mental health issues. Because for me, baking has been 
a little bit of therapy off the back of my other job that actually made me quite poorly towards the end you know mentally it wasn't you know my mental health wasn't great when I finished that job it was quite therapeutic for me so through that I wanted to kind of help sort of bring that to, to other people as well so I don't know I don't know how that will develop maybe it's that I start running paid workshops initially to pay for Mm -hmm. you know or to fund um you know the more social um element of it we'll see we'll see how it goes but I'd really love to do that in the future that's really exciting yeah wow I've there's a few places in London that do things like that which I think Mm. a couple of the bread um companies are kind of social enterprises that yeah. take especially women and, yeah. and teaching them how to how to bake from scratch so they can go on to careers in that which is a very honorable yeah um, yeah well there was um I, uh, when I first started um there was a Nottingham based uh business group actually that provided that, that kind of helped me and provided a bit of business support um they were called we are radical I think they're now called Obu there was an amazing um, lady who was based in Coventry and she was working with uh, women refugees Mm. and they ran a a bread bakery out of Coventry that was that was basically run purely by women refugees it was amazing she was quite inspirational so yeah but that group as well that that group was amazing Um, they're based in West Bridgeford actually and they're still going they're doing really well so great yeah awesome So, moving on to uh, the lovely local independent Nottingham that we, we know and love. Mm-hmm. What's your favourite local spot if you're going to go out? Oh, that's an interesting question. Uh, where would we go? So, coffee, always cartwheel. Oh, Absolutely love okay. cartwheel. They yeah. have one in Beeston and yeah. one in Nottingham as well, I think. Yeah. Absolutely love their coffee. Food, I would say we really like Le Oliver yeah. in Beeston. Yeah. And then, of course, being on the market scene, you, there's some amazing traders in Nottingham. So we, I really love Squeaky Beaver poutine. Oh, yes. Absolutely love Squeaky Beaver. Um, dirty Chicken as well are amazing. Yeah. Uh, butchers, actually, in Long Eaton. The Butchers Bar is really good. They do a great roast. It's like a, this, this hidden little spot in Long Eaton, but it's doing really well, isn't it? So. Well, I think we're really lucky in Nottingham as well that, as you say, the scene is always growing. There's always something new opening that you can go and check out. Mm. And I mean, sadly, there's been a few closures, closures recently, but that yeah. just means there's space for new stuff. And I think there's always opportunity there and it's it always, you know, refresh, refreshing the scene. I have to say, it has been sad seeing, you know, def- certainly some people that you see on the, on the market mm. trail. Um, having to close their doors it's been really sad I think you know in some ways that's that's I mean part of the dream for Freuder as well was to at some point have a premises mm. of our own but I think certainly today's climate is not going to make that a possibility for any time soon and I think that's perhaps how we've managed to weather the storm a bit mm. over uh, the last few years but yeah it is really sad to see small businesses closing you just I think it's quite a community in Nottingham you just want to see each other do well don't yeah. you so it's always sad to see, see we had quite a frank conversation with the Prad Thai team about it actually and we talked about how there were a lot of, of people that did really well on the market scene throughout lockdown mm. rushed into buying the premises yeah, yeah. and actually they did well in lockdown because we could only go to outdoor markets yeah. and maybe it slightly inflated their potential and rushing into a premises perhaps wasn't the right thing to do and I think there's a couple of companies that had premises and expanded post lockdown and yeah. again perhaps maybe it was a bit much because I think you know we've just seen it it's just been um you know bank holidays here mm-hmm. it was really quiet 
because yeah. finally people are going abroad, yeah. they're going to the beach. People can get out again, traveling. they can travel. Yeah. yeah, whereas like the last three Easters, I think town has been super busy because people have wanted to get out and about, get down to a market and things like that. Well, during COVID, obviously the market scene, that was a little yeah. bit of a boom really yeah. because people, it was, the, it was an opportunity, especially with the garage, you know, it was, yeah. you know, anywhere outside, people just wanted to get out, didn't they? And yeah. still be safe. So it was it was a good option for a lot of people. So, so. There's been a number of small breweries closed recently. Mm. Um, partly because there was a boom in British brewing about five years ago, five, six years ago. Micros went crazy. There's just this kind of mix of people wanting to try more beer and more experiences and the cost of producing and came down the kit, you buy the kit reasonably quickly. Mm. But now certainly with the energy energy issue. Our, our favourite's closed, yeah. but their, their energy bills increased three times. This is the thing, it so just it makes crazy. me so angry that you know these energy companies are sat on all this mm. profit and yet there are people genuinely suffering off the back of the, the current cost of living crisis. It's just madness, it's absolute madness. I still struggle, struggle to get my head around it. Yeah, but. if you if, you're, if you were to get brick and mortar crisis and you have to run your ovens all the time. Well this is the thing, so absolutely. Cost, and just heat the building. Yeah. As, I, as I say the dream Obviously, I think it is for, for most food businesses is to have your own premises and a commercial kitchen, but it just doesn't feel possible right now. Mm. And even for us, like we've, because Rich was saying to me, my husband was saying to me a couple of days ago, he was like, you know, the, the government help scheme is coming to an end in April. Like, so our energy bills are going to go up again. Mm. We don't, you know, it's like, how do we? And of course, you don't want to have to pass those costs on to the customer, mm. but inevitably, I think you do um, at some point. And so. I think that's really important is to not, try and ride the storm by sucking things up like to, to, Absolutely. to try and subsidize basically people for that i think it's really important that if you need to put your costs up you put your costs up you because to. i mean cake to. is a treat right and so people i don't mind spending a little bit Absolutely. It's, it's a big, it's always been a big thing for me. Cause when I started this, I was like, you know, from the, on the celebration and wedding side, you know, I thought I'd, um, wedding cakes, celebration cakes can be so expensive. Mm. And I was like, I don't want to rip people off. I don't want to rip people off. But the reality is those things take so much time. Mm. It is energy. It's time. Mm. It's energy. It's, you know, the cost of things now. Planning but as well. Absolutely. Yeah. The consultation element. I don't charge for mm. the planning side of things. I never add a cost to, of that. So there are so many things that go into it that I don't think you realise until you start until you start doing the thing that yeah. you know all these things take time and money. So it's very common with crafty people. My partner's a textile artist as well mm. as doing bar snacks. Yeah, and I'm around so many crafty people because of my partner. Yeah, and none of them charge anything like if you you know I work free I work freelance. Um, if I was to charge my time mm. or their time at the rate they actually spend it. Yeah. People have no idea how much work goes into a bag, into a cake, into anything like this that people make. They don't, they and, don't. And they, a lot of these, these crafty people charge their time at two, three, four pounds an hour, ultimately, because they enjoy what they do. But ultimately, if they were to take it to the next level, if they were to try and scale their business into a full-time commercial enterprise, their prices would have to triple overnight. Or oh, they're char charging their time, but they're not charging profit. I was always yes, taught rule of thirds. So your ingredients is a third. Your mm -hmm. time, if it takes two hours, that should be the other third, and mm -hmm. then you charge another third on top for profit. Because yeah. we are running businesses. It's a thing product design, and it's really basic, and it's the one three nine rule. So your material costs are a third of your manufacturing costs, mm -hmm. yeah. and your retail cost is a, is 
your, and then your, but then your manufacturing cost is a third of your retail costs. Okay, yeah. So you sell at nine times the price that yeah. the materials cost you. So if it costs one pound for materials, you're selling at nine pounds. Yes. Yeah, got it. And that factors mm. everything in. And that's a real basic. That's like, mm. that's like day one. Mm. But if you look at crafty people, it's not it's two or three times. We're, we're really bad at it. We're really bad at it. And I think, I don't know, for me personally, it comes from, you know... I'm a person that cares and worries about other people and I just think, you know, everybody's struggling right now mm. and you don't you don't want to, to, to add those costs on for your customers, but ultimately it's a business. Yeah. The point is you have to make profit, otherwise yeah. it's not a business anymore. Yeah. So it's such a it's a hard balance to try to try and achieve. And much like us, I think people don't realise sometimes that we're running portfolio careers. Like, you mm-hmm. don't just make cake, you have another no, job. Yeah. Like, I'm not just here thinking up podcasts all the time. Yeah. I have at least two other jobs absolutely and i think people don't see behind the scenes they see your smiling face there on a saturday which also means you're giving your weekend up because i suspect rich probably works nine to five monday to he friday. works nine to five monday to yep. friday so yeah so you're then spending saturday doing a market store giving up your saturday they don't think about that they don't think about the time you spent evenings baking everything and that's that's why the cake tastes so good, though, over a supermarket cake, because your love and attention and detail have gone into baking that. Which yeah, is I mean, this really is important. it. That, that's really important to me. Of course, you know, we eat with our eyes. So mm. for me, it's really important that what I produce looks great. But obviously, very importantly, it's got to taste great, too. And for me, it has to be something that I'd be very happy to eat myself. So, yeah, a lot of love does go into it. And, you know, I will often be there at 2 a.m. in the morning, yeah. still preparing for an event the next day. And people don't see that. Mm. Um, and you know you yeah it, it's different it's really really hard mm. I think at the start the part of again a part of my plan was that I it would become a thing that would enable me to only work four days a week and you know I'd have time for my family and of course inevitably it doesn't pan out that way mm. and actually I think I probably work six or seven times seven days a week now yeah. so it yeah it's it doesn't necessarily work out how you want it to at the but start. Luckily, but luckily, because you love it and it brings you joy, exactly. it doesn't bring you down. Exactly, and that's 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 the key. I think when I, if at 2am and I'm stood there crying, thinking, <laughs> oh my God, what am I doing? I have to remind myself that, you know, I am so much less stressed mm. than I was in my last job. I'm so much happier than I was in my last job. And this, you know, it does, I do, I do love what I do, so. If somebody gets... If you're upset or a customer gets upset, it's just cake. At the exactly. End of the day. Like exactly. if you're if you're getting angry about cake, something else in your life is going wrong. It's right. not really about the cake. Right, right. <laughs> it's it's funny when you're watching things like Bake Off and you're seeing people getting really upset. It can be quite an emotional mm. process. You want it to be right. You want it to be right. You want people to enjoy yeah. what you've done. Um, I think. I don't know if I'm lucky or not, but thankfully I haven't really had any complaints so far. <laughs> so it's working. Hopefully. Perfect. <laughs> And just to go back to kind of your menu and things like that, if you could only keep one thing on your menu, what would you keep? It's got to be the Matilda. Oh, it's got to okay. be. It's our biggest seller. It wow. sells out every time. It's a cake that I could eat morning, noon or night. It's amazing. I love it. If I could have a second one, it would have to be the Kezasana top because I just want people mm. to understand how amazing it is. So hopefully this year... <laughs> the unsung hero of yeah, the exact, cake land. Exactly, exactly. Fingers crossed. It's going to bake off, doesn't it? Yeah. And that'll do something. It'll explode. <laughs> It'll be like, a, as a technical, make a, a what? 
<laughs> but well, maybe controversially, I don't. I'm not a big fan of cheesecake. I don't really like your standard cheesecake. Mm, it's, it's the though, con- it's, it's a like... consistent consistency thing for me. It's quite heavy, and yeah, I'm just not that into it. But the Kaiserslautern, it's just the filling is really light and fresh. Yeah, I love it. I think a German Austrian cheesecake is very different mm. to like a New York cheesecake. Yeah. It's much fluffier. It's baked. It's yeah, you're right, it's completely different. After you described it to me, I actually think I've had one. Um, yeah, yeah. I've been to Germany many times, yeah, so yeah, um, yeah. I definitely think I've had it. Um, so, yeah, I look forward to trying it myself. And I have to say, I've got to mention this, because my son, I've been telling my son I'm coming on the podcast, mm. and he was like, please mention me, please mention me. Yeah. It, the Matilda is his favourite cake as well, okay. so, yeah. And what's his name? Sid. Sid. Sid, hello Sid. Sid. I mentioned you, your favourite cake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he absolutely thought, adores it, so. I thought you might say Black Forest. Well, if, if, yeah, I mean, it's not because we have served it. Mm. It is on the menu and we off, we do bring it to Oktoberfest. Mm. And I do do um, a Black Forest ice cream sandwich, actually, which is okay. my favourite. That's my favourite of my ice cream sandwiches. So, yes, but I think just purely because everybody loves the Matilda so much. And it, like I say, it always sells out. It'd have to be that one. And the name. It's, well, it's based on the film, yeah. you know, the whole Bruce Bogtrotter scene, you know. It's, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been one of my favourite conversations, talking about cake. Aww. Uh, of course, it brings joy to everyone, and that's yes. exactly what Freud is all around about. Absolutely. Is there anything else you'd love our listeners to know? Um, oh, what do I want you to know? Where can we find you? You can find me. So I've got a website, freudabakes.co.uk, um, and I'm active mostly on Instagram, so it's at freudabakes on Instagram. Yeah, give us a follow. Tell oh, your friends. And that's F-R-E-U-D-E. Correct. Correct, yes. Fabulous. And they can hit you up if they've got some celebration cake please. requirements. Yes, uh, please do. Please do. I would great. love to hear from you. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. It's been great. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to Food Glue. Please subscribe to us and share us with all of your friends, family, your nan, your dog, whoever. We would love to hear from you via our Instagram at foodgluepod or you can email us at foodgluepod at gmail.com. And if you've got some spare time, please do rate and review us on your favourite podcast player because it helps other people to find us.